This is Daryl Wood, host of Run to Win, the Daryl Wood Show on Faith Talk 1500. First, let me say this show is your show. That's why no matter what I discuss or which guests I interview, your input is valued. If it's in the news, on TV, or at the movies, whether political, social, economic, or whatever, at some point I'm talking about it on Run to Win, the Daryl Wood Show, Monday through Thursday from 4 to 6 p.m. on Faith Talk 1500. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Hey, wait a minute. What's the name of your church? Real Life Christian Church. Real life. Get real with another edition of Think About It. Real life messages from Pastor Dennis Rasper from Real Life Christian Church. And now, let's listen to the message from Pastor Rasper. Let's look at security and insecurity from the perspective of God's Word, because I know I do. I don't know about you. I want my future guaranteed before we begin. That's insecurity. We compare ourselves with others. That's insecurity. We look over our shoulder at people kind of moving in on us, taking what we have, our position, our place in somebody's heart. That's all insecurity. And so I call this message the answer to insecurity, and that's really the answer is knowing who you are in Jesus Christ. A very insecure person. I relate to this guy big time, Moses. Exodus chapter 3. And maybe you remember the story. The Egyptian pharaoh was going to kill all the Hebrew boys. And so Moses' mom and dad put him in this little basket and sent him down the Nile River in an effort to save him. And they just floating down the Nile River and Lord saved this child. And here's, here's divine providence. Pharaoh's daughter, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, his daughter is bathing in the River Nile. She sees this little basket floating down the River Nile with Moses in it, well, with the baby in it. And she says, that's my baby. The God sent this baby to me, whoever the gods are. And so she draws him out of the water and names him Moses, which means drawn out of the water. And she raises him to be a prince in Egypt And he stays in Egypt till he's about 25 years old. And while he's in Egypt being trained to be a prince, he's learning all these principles of leadership, principles of war, principles of leading people, and all that good stuff. And what's going on here is this is all directed by God because while he's in Egypt learning all this stuff, how to lead people, being raised as a prince, he is learning or being prepared to lead the whole nation of Israel. And one day lead him out of Egypt, out of bondage in Egypt. And then when the training was over, then God removed him and trained him in another direction. God took him away from all that stuff. And for 40 years, Moses would be a shepherd in the nearby land of Midian. I mean, he'd be a nobody. He went from prince to shepherd. And all that's before God called him to lead the Jewish people out of Egypt. This was all preparation. So here's Moses on the mountain in Exodus chapter 3. He's tending the sheep. And this bush begins to burn. Many of you know that story. It's God's time. And the voice of the Lord out of the bush calls out to Moses. And the bush is on fire, but nothing's being burned up. Nothing's being destroyed because it's the voice of the Lord in the bush. And the voice says, take off your shoes, Moses. This is holy ground. And then the voice of God says, Moses, I will use you to deliver my chosen people from bondage in Egypt. And Moses is all excited and says, way to go, finally, Lord. No, I didn't say that. Verse 11, but Moses said to God, Exodus 3, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring this? Who am I? 
Who am I? See, first question is, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And then the second question he says is, who are you? Who am I? Who are you? Because God says, you go deliver these people from Egypt and I'll be with you. And that's the big deal. That is the big deal in verse 13. He said, who am I? In verse 13, God says to Moses, I will be with you. And that should have been enough. So God says, you go to the leaders of Israel and you tell them, I sent you. And then Moses says, he had just said, who am I? And I'm supposed to tell these guys, you sent me. I don't even know your name. I don't even know who you are. So who are you? God says in um, 13, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your father sent me to you. And they ask me, what's your name? Then what shall I tell them? And then, and then God said to Moses, these, these profound, profound words, tell them I am who I am. So Moses had two excuses. He says, who am I? Who are you? I don't know who you are. Then you get chapter four, verse one. Now there's about 10 or 11 excuses. We won't go through all these. But Moses answered, what if they don't believe me or listen to me or, or, or they say to me, the Lord didn't appear to you. Who are you? And then God says, they'll believe you're from me if you throw your staff down and it turns into a snake. They said, try it. He did, and it did. That staff turned into a snake, so they believed he was from God, man. One more excuse, Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I can't talk. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. And God said, but your brother Aaron isn't. See, he's going to go with you. And you just be there and present yourself before the Pharaoh, and he's going to do all the talking. And God just, just took away every excuse. Finally, in 4.13, Exodus 4.13, Moses gets really honest. And he said, but Moses said, oh, Lord, please send somebody else to do it. I don't want to do it. I want to go. And then God gets righteously ticked because in verse 14, it says the Lord's anger burned. Anyway, I really believe if God would have shown Moses a picture of the future, if he would have shown Moses in a vision, the children of Israel, and there's the Red Sea, they're moving in that direction. There's the Red Sea, this big body of water, and behind them come the Egyptians, and there's mountains on this side, mountains on this side, and there is no place to go. And God gave Moses a vision of him standing over the Red Sea like that with his staff and turning to the people and saying, man, now you are going to see for yourself the glory of the Lord. And he extends his staff over that sea, and the winds come, and the waters begin to part. If Moses could have seen that, I bet he would have said, yeah, let's go for it, God. Let's do this, man. No excuses. But that's not life. Folks, that's not life, and that's not God. He doesn't give us those pictures. He doesn't guarantee our future. And the reason I relate to this so much is because I've been where Moses is, and so have you. You know, God blessed me, provided everything, primed my pump, so to speak, demonstrated his wonders in my life, his empowerment, and then God prompts me to go in a direction, and I don't want to go that direction. I don't want to step into that venture. I love my security. I don't want to change I just as soon keep things the way they are. And like Moses, I've got my excuses, and that's all my insecurity. 
I am prompted to go this direction by God the Holy Spirit, and I just don't want to make the changes. I just don't want to move into something new or different like this. I don't want to change my lifestyle because I'm so secure as to where I am. I mean, you, this has to be personal to you. You feel the tug to go a direction. God calls you to change some things in your life, and man, you're comfortable. You know what I think about? I think about maybe you've been going with a guy or a girl for a long time, though. And, and, and they're just happy. I mean, they're just happy the way the relationship is. You know, weekend dates, somebody to be with, shoulder to cry on, someone to talk to them. They don't want to make any kind of a lasting commitment, and you're comfortable with that. You're okay with that. But you're very unfulfilled. You want more out of life. So get out of it. Call their hand. Say, you commit or this is over. And the risk you take is this. They may very well say, it's over. And you're not going to have a shoulder to cry. You're not going to have somebody to call. You're not going to have anything to do on the weekends. Listen, can God get you through that? I mean, that's just one of those Can God, I mean... Can God get you through that? Can God take care of you? I mean, it could be a new job, a new city. Breaking with this routine in your life, that's not good. And you love it because you're securing it. I mean, you fill in the blank. If you could just see the end, if you could just see where this is going, and it's all going to turn out really great, and, and you're guaranteed that, I mean, you would make the change in a second. But again, that's not life, and that is not God. Our Lord teaches us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. What did he say? Give us this day our bread for the next 16 years. Is that what he said? You know, he said, give us this day our daily bread, one day at a time. There are some psychics who are on the level, but they're empowered by Satan, by demons. They accurately predict the future. How do I know that demons are behind this? Because God would never, ever, ever, God would never reveal your future. He would never do that. God says, trust me. I'm not going to reveal your future. So if anybody can reveal your future, it's a psychic. It's, 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 it's the limited demonic power that Satan has. Because God says, trust me one day at a time. And if God revealed everything up front, guaranteed your future, would you trust him for anything? Would you? Of course you wouldn't. So think about this. Now we have to deal with it. Now we know God's not going to guarantee our future. He's not going to reveal our future. He's going to say, trust me one day at a time. So now we've got to deal with this, with this whole thing about insecurity and how we handle it. And here's the first principle. God will take us where he wants us to be, and he'll do it step by step by step. He doesn't just swoosh us to the top because we're not ready for the top yet. He brings you to a level, and he says, now you're on this level just like Moses, 25 years in Egypt, spent a lot of time in Midian, being a shepherd, he says, grow there, and then I'll take you to the next level. Can't you see that process in your own life? I mean, before we get so antsy and say, I want, let's get this over with, let's get on to something else, you know. Let God do what he's going to do in you. And that's what he did with Moses, see. See, God sees the big picture of our lives, where we are now. And he is preparing us for where he wants us to be. God prepared Moses when he was Egypt. He was a prince. And he was being trained to be a leader of people. And God would use that training sometime down the road of his life to lead the Jews out of Egypt. See, God always wants you and me to be the best that you can be. And God will. I said he will. 
He said he will take he will take us up to the next level when we're ready to go to that level. Now here's the big deal. He also gives you and me a free will. We can be so I mean now God's prompting us up to the next level. And we can be so comfortable where we are. And we look at all the changes coming down the pike if we make this move or do this thing or change this way of life. And we say, I don't like that. I like my security. I'm staying right where I am. And you can do that. God gives you that choice. You have a free will. But think of what you're going to miss. When I don't step into something like that and make a necessary change in my life, you know what I think? I think to myself, God's moving me. And he had the best possible scenario for my life. And he wants the best thing in the world to happen to me. And here I am. I'm comfortable where I am. I'm not making the, I'm not, I'm not making the change he wants me to make. And so the first point in um, dealing with insecurity is realize that like Moses was being primed, his pump was being primed, you might say, when he was in Egypt. Where you are now is God priming you, preparing you. But you can't stay there for the rest of your life. Here's something else about insecurity. Some people are always comparing themselves with others. You know, kids do that a lot. I'm not as good looking. I'm, I'm not as smart. Folks, there is always somebody better. I do this more than I care to. There's pastors who have more vision. They accomplish tremendous things for God. And I compare myself with these guys. A husband told me one time that his wife was always comparing herself with her sister. And her sister was very professional, very good, very successful. And she always felt like some kind of a loser compared to her sister. And he said, honey, look at your kids. Just look at these kids we've raised. Look at what you did. You are the greatest mom on earth. And you are the greatest wife on earth. Just look at my gut. I mean, you're a great cook and all this stuff, you know. <laughs> but she still compared herself with her sister. You know, and I thought about that. Takes me to um, Galatians chapter 6. And you don't know how I need to... Take these words into my soul, man. I'm preaching at the preacher now. Galatians 6, 4 and 5. It says each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself. Now, what does that mean, take pride in himself? That's not a sinful pride. It means you look at your life, you look at what you've done, and you say, look at what God has done in me, and look at what God has done through me, see? Each one should, should, should test his own actions, and then he can take pride in himself, meaning look what God's done in me, look what God's done through me, without, without comparing himself to somebody else, for each one should carry his own load, his own, his own. See, it says, do your job. Do it with all the abilities God's given you. You don't have to compare yourself with anybody else. Not everybody has the same gifts. And folks, we got to come to grips with that. I have to come to grips with that. I think I'm beyond this. I pray I'm beyond this. But there was a day when I looked at other people and they were more successful. And I was all on my pity party. I said, God, they don't work as hard. They don't study as much. They're not as good at this. Then I learned that's not my business. That is not my business. God wants me to be faithful. Using the gifts he's given me, and maximize those gifts and use them to his glory wherever he puts me. And if he wants to take those gifts and promote me or do something like that, see, that, folks, that is not my business. I just have to be faithful with the use of the gifts God's given me. And if he wants to do something more with that, 
That's totally up to him. But I got to give him my best. And that's the principle of Galatians 6, 4, and 5. Here's another principle that helps us deal with this whole thing about insecurity. Romans chapter 12, verse 6. And Romans 12, verse 6 tells us God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well, certain things. In Romans 12, 6, it says we have different, and that's the word I have underlined, different gifts, see, according to the grace given to us, and then it goes and lists the gifts. But we have different gifts according to the grace, meaning that's a grace gift. That, 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 that gift you have is a gift of God's grace. And the thing we have to understand is God gave us certain gifts. He didn't give us all the gifts. And here's what that means for me. It means that, that, that I can't do everything, and I have to trust people. I really have to learn to trust people instead of getting in there and doing everything myself. I have to understand, and so do you, that other people do a lot of things better than I do, and I have to let go. And here's what I know. When I let go, guess what? I have time, and I have time to work at and develop the gifts God's given me. This is an excellent quote. Don't even know where I heard it. But it says, devoting a little of yourself to everything means devoting a lot of yourself to nothing. When we let go, the job gets done better by somebody who's more gifted in that area. And folks, that is just teamwork. This is a principle of Romans 12, 6. It's a principle, a biblical principle. But man, it is so practical. God's word is practical. And this is one of the hardest things to learn. When somebody is gifted and does it better than you or me, we have to learn to rejoice. It's hard to rejoice when somebody is more gifted in a given area and you want to be gifted in that area. It's hard to rejoice and say, God, thank you that they're doing such a good job. Thank you that you blessed them. But when you rejoice, I mean, you, we need to rejoice because the team, and the team may be your family, the business, the church, your organization, which I see. I mean, this is kind of a dream. It's kind of a vision. I, I, I see people in every ministry having a zeal for that ministry because it's what they're good at. It's where God gifted them. It's what they love to do. And when you have that going for you, man, your organization, your church, whatever, is smoking for the Lord. And when they succeed, you do handstands. I was just, my mind was drawn to Luke chapter 10 because Jesus Christ sent out 72 people and they did everything right, man, 72 disciples. And they preached with power. Lives were changed. They healed people. They drove out devils. People confessed their sins. People turned to Jesus Christ as their savior and Jesus didn't go with them. I mean, he stayed there. And when they came back, I mean, Jesus was so turned on at their success because of how the Father had used him. He rejoiced. Luke 10, 21 says, Then Jesus, listen now, filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit, said, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because all those people were successful. That has to be our heart. You see, you see what's happening here? You let go. You don't have to be the center of attention. You're thrilled that God's using your gifts and you're letting go of all that insecurity. And now we get to what is really the heart and the guts of this message. If you're ever going to overcome insecurity, you have to know who you are in Jesus Christ. So the real guts of this message is this. You have to understand who you are in Jesus Christ. So let me ask you, are you a believer in Jesus Christ? And if you're answering, yes, I am, then I have to say, guess what? Not everybody is. Not everybody is chosen of God. 
And when you talk like that, that gets some people's dander up. It, 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 because you're talking about election, you're talking about predestination. Don't get all hung up on that. Don't get all hung up on this. Just, just take this for what it is. I, you know, I tell you, this, this ministers to me so much. I think about this just about every day that I live in my prayer time. I think, God, I'm a believer, and there's so many people who are not believers in Jesus Christ. I look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. For he chose us in him, meaning in Christ, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight, in love. That means he chose us one day to stand before him, acceptable to the Father, holy and blameless in love. See, ultimately to the praise of his glorious grace. God chose you to be his own special child and just let that minister to you. Let that minister to you. I, I think about Acts chapter 2. In Acts 2, verse 23. I don't know. I think about this stuff. I, I, I hope it does something in your heart. This just blows me away. To look at Acts 2, 23 and to think that from the foundation of the world, God planned the horrible death of his own son so I could live. Acts 2, 23. This man, meaning Jesus, was handed over to you, the Jews, by God, meaning the fathers, set purpose and foreknowledge. It was his purpose. He did this with foreknowledge. He, 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 he turned his son over. He handed his son over to the Jews. And you, with the help of wicked men, the Romans, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. That was the predetermined plan of God on your behalf and my behalf. That shows me how special and valuable I am to God. You are that precious to God. I go to Hebrews chapter 2, and you don't have to look at all these. I'm just trying to show you what you are in Christ and what, who you are in Christ. Verse 14, Hebrews 2, 14. If, in fact, you are a believer. I'm not saying everybody here is. Verse 14, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. Since the children, that's you and me, have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. He did this willingly. He shared our humanity. No one had to shove him out of heaven. How about this? Think about this. Do you think that God holds? We're talking about who you are in Christ your sins against you. Romans 8, chapter 1, therefore now there is no condemnation for those who are on Christ Jesus. Look at that. You are not condemned. Why are you not? There is no condemnation if you're in Christ. Folks, I'm just trying to make that sink in and show you who you are in Christ. Why is there no condemnation? Because God is a just God. And when, you, when justice is accomplished, you punish sin once. And Jesus Christ was punished for you. He was condemned. For you, there is no condemnation for you if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. Oh, this only gets better. I go back to Ephesians chapter 2. I got to read from verse 1 here. I got to read this whole deal. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. I lived there too, see? When you follow the ways of this world... And of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit is not working those who are disobedient, that's the devil. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature. I did that. And following its desires and thoughts, like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. That's where we were. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved. Now listen to this. Here's the kicker. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him. Do you know what God just said? 
I was dead, and now I'm alive, and I'm as good as seated in heaven with Christ Jesus. That's what I have. I mean, how much more do we need insecure children of God who have no right to be insecure? I'm looking at Romans 8, 15, last one. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship, and by him, by Jesus, we cry, Abba, Father, that's a term of Father, I love you so much. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're the Father's children. Now get this. Now if we are children, then what are we? Heirs. Heirs of God. Now let this blow you away. And co-heirs with Christ. You inherit everything he did. I'm trying to tell you folks who are plagued by insecurity. This is who you are in Jesus Christ. And this stuff has to minister to you. We are so precious and so valuable to our Father in heaven. God has the big picture in our lives. And where you are now, he's preparing you like he did Moses for where he wants you to be. We've seen the principle of Galatians 6, 4, and 5. You don't have to compare yourself with anyone, man. You just got to do your own work faithfully as God would have you do it. We've seen the principle of Romans 12, 6. He's given us ability in certain things, not everything. And when we've seen, we've seen that we are elect, chosen by God, seated at the right hand of God, who we are in Christ. And always remember, please, this principle from Scripture. What God leads you into, he will equip you to handle. You always have to remember that. If God led you into it, he will equip you to handle it. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 11, Moses said, Who am I that I should lead the children of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I? And God said, and these are the key words. This is what you got to memorize. This is Exodus 3, 11. But, God, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. Think About It is sponsored by Real Life Christian Church. Real Life Christian Church meets in Endeavor Middle School, 22505 26 Mile Road, just west of North Avenue in Ray, Michigan. Sunday service starts at 10 a.m. Visit us on the web at rlcc.us. Never miss a single message from Pastor Rasper. Just go to faithtalk1500.com and download the Real Life Podcast. And until next week, may God's Word do a work in you. Real Life Christian Church. Get real.